Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Today, as I mentioned before, it's going to be a little bit different. As we've come out of the last few months, there's been a real sense that there's actually an invitation before us. The temptation is often just to go back to what was, to try and reconstruct a previous season. But we really sensed as we prayed and sought the Lord that there was actually an invitation for Red, actually an invitation for the whole church, to ask the question, what would it look like if we followed him more closely? To actually believe a different story that what if instead of the story that often the culture tells us about the church, which is often one of decline, what if in this season God has a different story for us, actually one of growth, of kingdom expansion, of earth being touched by heaven? Now, one of the things that I found tremendously inspiring as I've imagined a different future is the witness of churches in different parts of the world. And one of the most incredible, I think, examples of how God can turn really difficult situations around is what has happened with the church in Iran and the Iranian diaspora, which has gone across the world. And so what we're going to do today, two things are going to happen. Britt will take us through a little bit more of the uh, sort of structure of this in a second. But we're actually going to have an interview from David Yeganatsa, who is actually a key leader in the Iranian church. And we got a chance to interview him about what we can learn from them. And then Britt's going to take us through a sort of uh, space and teaching and reflection about how do we integrate what is said here. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of background. Um, and also, the, I think the timing of the Lord has really been at work uh, in us showing this today. So we actually did this a few weeks ago. But this is a really, really crucial time for the nation of Iran. And I think it's just been key that this is actually when this has fallen today. But just to quickly go back to just give you a, a bite-sized introduction to about what we're about to hear is that for many centuries, the Persian people and the nation of Iran was a country which was really difficult for the gospel to be preached in. There wasn't heaps of resonance. There was a church there amongst some of the ethnic minorities like Armenians and Assyrians, but really the gospel did not go much beyond those communities. Many missionaries went and found it really, really tough soil to communicate the gospel in. And Persia, is one of the great big civilizations and cultures of the world. So Iran is actually a really strategic country. But then in 1979, with the return of the Ayatollah Khomeini, the country went through a revolution, an Islamic fundamentalist revolution. And this was a massive crisis for the country. Overnight, the country changed fundamentally, and many people ended up leaving the country. But amazingly, through that process, God began to turn up and we began to see what can be really described, I think, as a renewal or a revival amongst Iranian people. More people, uh, it is said, of, I think the, the, the stats are more people have come to faith, more Persian people have come to faith in the last 10 years than in the last 10 centuries. And a lot of that has happened as people have been become refugees, gone to places like Sweden or Malaysia or Australia. So there's this incredible moment that God has for people from Iran. So we wanted to tell that story, but also how this has sort of just fallen is that what has happened in the last week is that Iran is again going through a 
massive tumult. Uh, a few days ago, a young woman from the Kurdish regions of Iran called Masa Amini actually came into the city. She was 22 and came to Tehran. And she wasn't uh, wearing the hijab or the veil in the way that is, is legislated by law. And she was taken into captivity by the uh, morality police where tragically she was beaten to death. And this has sparked a huge amount of uh, protests in the country, protests around the mandatory wearing of the hijab, but also other reasons, the repression, the oppression of the government, fuel prices, and the country is in absolute pandemonium really at this point in time. So this is a perfect time to hear from the witness of the Persian Iranian church and also to pray for Iran, which we're going to do. So we're about to hear an interview with David Yegnatsa. David's family is a really key family in the Iranian church. And when you hear the story of the Iranian church, what's amazing to me is a handful of really devoted believers and key families who pressed in when it was absolutely difficult. Many who, uh, some were martyred, some lost everything. And, and out of that, though, this incredible renewal has begun. So David lives in England now. His family's fled. And uh, I had a chance to interview him. And so that's what you're going to hear. And my question really for him was not just so much going to that history. I've just given you that then. But what can we learn from the Iranian church? So that's what we're going to watch now. Britt's also going to just talk a little bit about some of the structure around how we're going to do this. Yeah, great. Thanks, Mark. So... David, the way he speaks, he's actually very calm and he communicates really clearly. It's a great video, so I'm looking forward to watching it with you. And after he speaks, we're just going to pick up on three things that he talks about. And essentially, we're going to read through Psalm 86 and respond to God using that psalm and inspired by what we hear from David. So I encourage you to, you know, relax, um, but listen in because some of the stuff he says we're going to pull out and sit and um, really learn and and be open to what God wants to teach us. There's real power when we hear from people who follow Jesus in a different part of the world. They've encountered Jesus in a different way. It's the same Jesus we know, but they have so much they can teach us of who he is. Um, so, yeah, let's have a listen, and then I'll lead us through together. Well, David, thank you so much for spending um, this time with us and uh, speaking into Red Church. One thing as a church that we've been speaking uh, around has been this idea that we find ourselves at a moment, a moment where there's a baton being passed and there's an invitation to build something, uh, to be a generation, which is a first generation. And in many ways, um, your ministry um, has been birthed out of a first generation of leaders who's really birthed this incredible thing that God is doing through Persian-speaking people in the world. What values do you see that pioneers of a new thing that God is doing have? And have you seen that em embodied in that sort of first generation of leaders um, uh, in the Iranian Persian church? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, great to be with you. Um, I, I would say, you know, I grew up in the in the Iranian church. Uh, I've had the privilege of, of seeing the story unfold. And I remember, uh, even as a, as a child, seeing in that generation that, as you say, really was a first generation that, that believed God for great things, that they, first of all, they were deeply in love with Jesus. That was very evident. Um, and I think... Really, we can't build anything for the for the future unless we we're just in love with the Lord. Um, my grandfather was one of those, and he really was a, a, a um, became really like a spiritual father in the Iranian church. But he was just absolutely in love with the Lord, and that was 
um, that was the heart of it. I, I really do believe that. Um, so I would say to, to those who are listening that if you really want to build something, first of all, it starts with just loving Jesus. And then secondly, they were, they had an absolute conviction that he was alive, that no matter what uh, the opposition was, no matter what the obstacle was, that he, uh, he could make a way. Uh, you know, the Red Sea story in Exodus resonated deeply because there were many times in mm. similar situations, you know, spiritually they felt, um, but they believed that God would open a way. Um, and so that mm. kind of faith that, um, that comes out of love, really, um, uh, was evident to me as a child. I remember uh, walking, uh, we, I was in Iran, 1985, I was, uh, we would, we, our family had moved out of the country before the revolution, but we would go back in the summers. And um, I was 11 years old this particular time. We were walking there. It was just a few years after the revolution. And um, so we were walking on the streets of Tehran, and you, you know, you see the symbols of Islam everywhere. So you're 11 years old. I'm, I'm walking. I'm see you know, big signs, death to America, death to Israel, big pictures of Khomeini. All the women are forced to wear the covering. My sister is a couple of years older than me. She's walking alongside. I'm looking at why she's wearing this covering. Um, and we walk into this little church. Uh, and I just have this memory of um, the believers there praying with all their hearts, with all their hearts. Their arms raised high. My, I see my grandfather with tears running down his cheeks. And they're praying for Iran. They're praying for God to reach Iran, for salvation to come, for the gospel to go out. And here I am, seven, 11 years old, watching these people. And, you know, people are saying amen and they're praying. But I'm, you know, I'm not particularly great at math. So at that time, you know, there's about 60 million Iranians in the country. You've got all this strength of Islam. And my question was, can God answer their prayer? Mm. And uh, they had a deep conviction. They just believed uh, that God mm. could do something and that they would play their part and he would do his part. Um, and I can say that God has answered that prayer. So I, I, what I would say to us is, you know, the story absolutely is not lost. Uh, there's no way that I believe that the gospel is, you know, I... I uh, not able to impact lives anymore. In fact, I, I have more hope for the church in the West than, than uh, ever because mm. there will be a hunger that, that comes in this next season. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's, those are a couple of things. Love, love for Jesus, just enjoying the Lord mm. um, and, and faith that he will do something. And so we play our part. He's writing the story. Our, our conviction, our DNA is really, God is writing the story. This isn't our idea. This mm. isn't, you know, it's not God didn't give Mark Sayers an idea to plant a church. And yeah, mm. I mean, sorry, Mark Sayers didn't come mm. up with this idea. It was, you know, mm. it's it's the Lord's once said he's going to build his church. And if he says he's going to build mm. his church, then we play our part. And ultimately, we enjoy him in the process. So we must never mm. forget to just enjoy, enjoy Jesus in the process. Mm. One of the things that we, in looking at moments when God has turned things around and, and leaders who have turned things around and the people of God have turned things around, three sort of values that we identified were 
commitment. I have a real commitment to the gospel, commitment to following Jesus, yep. perseverance when difficult times Absolutely. come, and and sacrifice, um, a sacrificial, uh, you know, sacrificial living. Um, and uh, you know, how have you seen those values uh, in the Iranian church? So it's commitment. Commitment, perseverance, sacri- uh, perseverance, perseverance yeah. and sacrificial living. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing many, many leaders, men and women, uh, display those qualities. And I think that without those, that the, the, the church obviously wouldn't have grown. So commitment, um, like I say, I, I think... You know, when you're in a situation of persecution, uh, where there's opposition, where there's challenge, this is where, um, you know, you don't have social Christianity in Iran. You don't become a Christian for, for mm. social, uh, you know, uh, progress in society. Um, so you do it because you have a deep commitment, deep conviction that this is the truth. Mm. Um, and um, so... And that has to be, you know, you've got to make that decision early on. Am I committed to this or not? You know, when I, as soon as I start talking about it, there are, there could be consequences. And and persecution is definitely not just the imprisonment um, and and the sort of arrest, but it's loss of job, loss of family, loss of friends, loss of uh, opportunity. Um, and so, you know, you definitely have the commitment, um, the perseverance. Uh, has had to be there certainly in the story of Elam Ministries and, and the work that we've seen. I, it just I, I, I really have been astounded over the years at the, the commitment and the sorry the perseverance, the endurance, the the tenacity. In fact, part of we have a we have a list of our own <clears throat> sort of core values. We call them our DNA. And one of them is how much more, a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. how much more, a little bit more. Just the idea of. Just keep going a little bit more. You can't. Don't, you don't think of a hundred years from now. Just think of the next step and keep going because, um, and again, there the conviction is somehow God will make a way. You know, mm. how much more do you hang in there? A little bit more, and He keeps going. Uh, he, he'll turn up. Um, and then the third one, sacrificial um, living, without question, has been um, uh, evidence. In I've seen the evidence in that in in people's willingness to um, take the risk. So one of the things that's really often uh, under uh, sort of um, the story is not, not told enough is, is not just the, the key leaders who've gone and taken great risks. It's the families that, mm. um, you know, I remember one of our brothers who was involved in scripture distribution. He said, you know, every time I'd go out, kiss my wife goodbye and I didn't know if I'd see her again she didn't know if I'd see me again she'd she'd see me again and Mm. so that's the kind of but she wanted to do it you know they wanted Mm. to um, get the word of God out into to the hands of people so they were willing to take that sacrifice so Mm. yeah I would say those three things are very very much uh, part of the experience and the life and the sort of the lifestyle it's the sort of expected expected way of life for a Christian. Mm. Um, mm. And it's surprising actually for people when it's not, that's the, that's the interesting thing. So many, many times Christians have had to 
because of persecution as refugees get to the West somewhere and, and you know, the conversations I've had when people have gone, they expect these, they see these big churches and they're very excited the first, second, third Sunday and then the fourth Sunday, like what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> I don't understand because I think it's really actually, interestingly, it's because those three or four things that um, we're talking about, they don't see the evidence of it. Um, and so that's, I think that's the surprise that they get and the shock really. They're like, well, what, uh, tell me about this church here. I don't know. Help me understand David, what's going on because this mm. is different to our experience back home. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us at Red. And I think the stories that you're telling is, you know, we talk about Red often that crisis precedes renewal. And I think the story of the Iranian church is very much that story. Um, so thank you. Just just quickly too, lastly, you know, we where we live here, there is many Iranian people, you know, in our area with this, the Persian festival at the Box Hill Town Hall and there's restaurants, um, you know, and as people encounter um, Iranian people, refugees in our midst, um, you know, what's the, your advice to them? How can we serve the Iranian people here in Melbourne uh, in, in our midst uh, I love the fact that um, some of the people um, oh, let me say that again I, I'd, I'd really encourage um, you just to reach out as much as you can Iranians are um, they would very much welcome conversation um, you know it's amazing actually to me that many times I've, I've spoken to many people who've moved into you know the uk or to america uh, unfortunately not been to australia hopefully i'll make it there one day but there are many people who've been in a country having come as refugees and have never been invited to a, a home they've just never been 25 years so i'd encourage you reach out make friends tell them don't be afraid of just telling them invite them to christmas or easter or whatever uh, there are New Testaments, Persian New Testaments that we have, and I think you've got some stock at your church, and if you don't, we'll mm. send you some. Um, and just take them and give it to them as a gift. Just take, say this, it's a beautiful little red New Testament. Uh, if you have any Iranian friends, we'd love to give you those New Testaments uh, without cost. Um, just go and get them from the church and and then give it to an Iranian. Say, this is a gift from, from my church uh, to you, and um, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has changed my life. And uh, if you read this book, you can meet him too. So encourage mm. people to reach out. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's a pleasure. God bless you all. Fantastic to hear from him. Um, if you want to find out more about Elon Ministries, you can jump online. They're supporting, strengthening, and expanding the growing church um, in Iran and around the world. Um, those that are patient speaking, so check that out. But wasn't it fantastic to just hear that story and to hear his faith, even the story of when he was 11 and what that looked like for him and how he's seen those prayers be answered. Just wonderful. And I love some of those key points he just started with that we need to be deeply in love with Jesus, um, that you can't build anything without that. So we're going to start there together. Um, and so we're going to get you to get the Bibles out. We've, we've put out these Bibles so that you can have something tangible in your hand. They're underneath the seat in front of you. You're going to go to page 411. So we're going to read the Psalms. Psalms are like prayers and songs written by God's people, the kind of middle middle section of your Bible. We're going to go to Psalm 86, so page 411. <laughs> 
I want you to sit in this wonderful psalm. Sorry, it's good to have it open, whether it's on your lap or in your hands. We're going to meditate on these words and come to worship and spend time with Jesus. When we worship, it is our full focus. That's part of what worship is. And so to begin, I would love to look at verses 5 to 7. And why don't you read it with me? We're going to read verses 5 to 7. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. And so I want to begin by just spending time focusing on Jesus and bringing him closer to our gaze, to our attention. And I love that he promises so many things throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament. One of his promises is that I am with you always. He is here now. The Holy Spirit is here revealing who Jesus is. He's come to meet with you. He loves to meet with you. Whether you've met him yet or not, he's here. His promise is I am with you always. And so I'd love to think about I'd love for you to reflect about what, what was the last time you spent Jesus, spent time with Jesus and where is he in your life right now? And again, maybe this is your first time at church and it's so wonderful to have you and you're just here because someone has told you about Jesus. Or maybe in your family you grew up um, hearing about him, you went to a school that's taught about who he was. And I love, if you look in the gospel accounts of the New Testament, there are stories like this. You read of people who had heard of Jesus They'd lived in a neighborhood where he had visited and there was intrigue. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today being like, I don't really know who he is, but I'm here to listen and I want to know more. And the invitation perhaps for you is to stay and listen and to trust that Jesus has actually turned up today to meet with you because he loves you and his promises, I am always with you. I also love reading the Gospels as crowds that follow Jesus. So they follow him from town to town. And they love listening to what he says and they love being in his presence and witnessing what he does. But they haven't got too close to him because he feels a little bit intimidating. And I feel like sometimes we also do that. We come to church, we see him doing things in other people's lives. We keep our distance a few layers back in the crowd. Maybe that's where you're at with Jesus today and that's okay. This is all in grace and love. The opportunity today is he's standing in the centre of that crowd and he's saying, come closer. Come a little bit further in. Or maybe you're right up the front. You're that kid that loves to be up the front and be like, Jesus, I'm here with you. I love this. I love being with you. But I'll keep a safe row of just one other person. So we're close, but there's still a bit of distance. I'm not the best kid in the room, so I'll I'll just stay back. But actually, God, Jesus is saying, come right before me. You do not need to be perfect to come to me. I love you just as you are, and I've died to make it possible for you to have eternal life. Don't hide anymore. Or maybe you and Jesus, you've been working, you've been doing things for the kingdom, for God, and you've run a little bit far ahead. Like, God, we've got to plant this. I'm going to have a conversation with this person at work. This needs to happen. And God, Jesus is saying, hey, come back. I want to just spend time with you. You know, just, just faith, just turn around. Just look at me. Let's be still. Or finally, you're here this morning and you've been working alongside Jesus faithfully. You spent time with him this morning. You read his word, you prayed, you shared this week someone with someone about who he is. 
And he's just saying right now, tools down. Oh, you know you're working alongside me. Why don't you just look into my eyes? So wherever you are this morning and wherever Jesus is with you, let's pause and receive that invitation to walk through the crowd and come closer, to listen and believe that he wants to speak to you, to put our tools down, to turn around and face him, and to trust that you are enough to come before him. There are going to be three prayers that you can use to respond to Jesus. You can say these quietly in your heart or in your mind. You can say them out loud if you'd like. As a way to respond to Jesus, wherever you are this morning, whatever that looks like with you and Jesus. And again, if you've never met him before, that's okay. There's a prayer on the far right. Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are. I choose your way. Please reveal yourself to me today. And he wants to and loves to. And so I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to bring revelation and we're just going to sit with Jesus. Daniel's going to put some music on. These are the prayers to lead you. But if you just want to sit and imagine being with Jesus, you're also welcome to do that. This is your time to be with him. So Holy Spirit, as your people, we believe in who you are. We thank you that you bring revelation, comfort and truth. And so we declare that over every mind, body, soul and spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, that you reign, that you are Lord of all and that you are also someone who loves to come close and be with your people. And so I pray and ask in the authority of your name that you would come close and speak to your people.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Some of you may have found that really easy. Some may have found that a bit hard, and that's okay. What we do is just come before God and say, I'm here to listen and be open. And so wherever that happened and whatever took place, whether it felt significant or not, that's okay. God is always at work, and he was always leading and coming towards us. And so we trust that. But how wonderful to sit together with Jesus at the same time. It was a beautiful space. Something we need to continue to grow in, as David said, to be deeply in love with Jesus is at our core. And that is what builds and transforms and continues to see the kingdom come. Something else he said is that people in Iran, in the church, they have a deep conviction that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They believe it. They see it. They want to live their lives committed to that, that deep, deep conviction that that is true. And so we're going to continue on looking at the psalm and respond to that, that we would also have that deep conviction and ask for that. So we're going to look at verse 11 to 13. So grab it out or bring it up closer to your eyes or whatever you need, <laughs> need to do. 11 to 13. It says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. As I was sitting with this, I was really struck by that first First verse, verse 11, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. I think we're very good at relying on a bunch of other things. <laughs> and I said this of myself as well, rather than his faithfulness. And so I'd love to take the opportunity to reflect on perhaps some of the ways we are relying on other things and give us an opportunity to put those down and say, Jesus, I want to choose to rely on you. As David shared, there's a desperation in the church in Iran, a recognition that they need Jesus more than anything else and that where we're headed in the West, that that will come. But we don't need to wait for a circumstance. We have opportunity now to be like, actually, I believe that now. I want to step into that. And so I'm going to invite you to a time of confession what are the ways that you are relying on something else rather than his faithfulness? And there is a list to help you, whether that be money, the influence that you have, your status in society, you rely on that for security, maybe your intellect, maybe others, faith of others, spouse, friends, parents. You know what it is. If you don't take, we're going to take this time to think about it, to ask what are the things that I'm relying on, Jesus, that are not you? I just want to remind you, the bottom in verse 13, that Jesus' love is towards you, God's love is towards you. And so as we confess and we repent, it is done in love and grace and mercy. But let's take the opportunity to recognize the ways that we're not following Jesus or where we're holding on to and relying on something else. So I encourage you, have courage to pause and think about and confess for the ways that you're not relying on Jesus in whatever way that looks like. Again, super simple. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I rely on this instead of your faithfulness.
I'm going to give you a little time to do that. These verses can now be our prayer in confidence as we come before Jesus who has made a way, that his death has washed away all our sin. And so as we confess, as we come before him, we can now declare and choose to say together that we want to rely on his faithfulness. And he is faithful. God cannot um, be faithful to his own word. So when he says that he will turn up and be present, he will be, irrelevant of what's going on. And in his words it says, give me an undivided heart. When our heart is divided, it's like we live these split lives. But God is inviting us to come before him for that wholeness and truth and that heart that follows him, that I may fear your name, God, that I will praise you, my Lord, with all my heart. May we grow in learning how to do that and coming back to Jesus and pray and believe with all our heart that he's king, Lord. For great is your love toward me. That love is forever chasing you. In fact, that's why you're in the room. We love because he first loved us. And we can be confident that it's true. Because it says throughout his word, but if you read Psalm 25, it says, those who hope in the Lord will not be put to shame. So be bold and hope and believe that that love is true and is coming towards you. And finally, this section ends with deliver me from the depths. You have delivered me. Jesus has delivered you. What he has done means that you are free. He has paid the price. There is complete forgiveness and freedom and eternal life. And to represent that, to step into this prayer as we've confessed, to say, Jesus, we believe in who you are and we want to rely on your faithfulness, we're going to take communion together. Communion represents Jesus' death and resurrection. We've got it in the little containers on the tables either side and the back of the room. So you've got a cracker and some juice. The cracker represents Jesus' body and the juice represents his blood. 
And so we're going to take communion and I'm going to pop up, I will not, Daniel, is going to put up the verse up on the screen. And as you take communion, I encourage you to pray that in response to whatever you've confessed and left behind. Spend time with Jesus and declare these words again over your heart or out loud. So when you're ready, I'll get you to rise, go and take communion around the tables. There's little um, baskets underneath when you're finished to pop them in there. But let's spend some time with Jesus. Remember, He is waiting for you. He comes towards you. And let's pray together this prayer. So when you're ready, go for it. sweet it is to sit at the table with Jesus, to taste freedom and life because of what he's done and to do that with so many people. And that word communion, coming together, there's that unity within this room and our hearts are not divided anymore because of what Jesus has done. It's a gift to be able to have done that with you all. Something else David said, 
that's worth noting and reflecting on is that belief and confidence that Jesus is alive, as he said, no matter the circumstances, he could make a way. Do we believe that in what we're seeing in our own circumstances in Melbourne, in Australia and around the world? What would it look like to ignite our faith, to let our faith speak, to let our faith draw us into action and behaviour? Henry Nouwen says that the more you are called to speak for God's love, the more you will need to deepen the knowledge of that love in your own heart. And that's what we've been doing this morning and that's what we're invited to do every day. What we're doing here is so simple. It's using God's word to speak back to him who he is and declaring that and responding to him so that we would go out and share that, that we would play our part and he would play his. As David said, these are God's plans, that his kingdom would be established, his church would grow. We don't have to force that, but he asks us to participate in it that we would play our part and he will do his. He's faithful to it. So we're going to look at verses 8 to 10 now. It says, among the gods, I'll let you guys get them back out. Page 411 if you lost your spot. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And so I'd love to declare this as a church, as a people for Australia. I'd love to begin there, but also for different nations. We're going to do that in a moment. And we do it in confidence, having sat in the love of Christ, fueled by that, confessing and believing that he is King and Lord and walking towards that truth. We are now declaring who God is. These verses are beautiful. You are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. So Australia, we're going to pray for Australia, this nation that we live in. It's funny, travelling recently, it's, it's interesting to hear the perspective of Australia, particularly of Melbourne, after what happened the last two years, it was very fascinating that people were like, oh, you're from Melbourne. How did you survive? And you're like, yeah, okay, settle down. It wasn't that hectic. But just an outside perspective, we're still seen as a land of opportunity, a land of freedom, a land of prosperity. And do you know what? It's pretty good. Australia is pretty great. We have our faults. There are things that have happened here that we're not proud of. We're not perfect but we live in a beautiful place. But what if it wasn't just prosperity in an economic sense or just a place to quickly land, but actually it was eternal life in Jesus, his kingdom and prosperity that marked Australia? And that's actually what people were seeking, that when they arrive here, it isn't just the freedom of being in this land, even though that is beautiful and that represents the kingdom, but it would be the freedom of knowing Jesus. And so I'd love to pray. I'd love if you would pray with me For Australia, I've written a prayer that basically uses these passages as a response to God. And it would be great if you are able to, if you're able to, to stand with me. And we're going to read this prayer together for Australia. If you feel comfortable, there's no pressure to you, of course. But let's read and declare who God is over this nation as his people. All right, are we ready? Great. (laughs) Among the gods, the powers, 
the principalities, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. Lord, you have made Australia, and we pray that this nation, our nation, would worship before you. Lord, that we would bring you glory to your name, for you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Amen. Great. Please take a seat. Something significant in doing that. We believe that God is the God of all nations, as it says in this verse, and that we're all designed to worship him, that we would play our part as he does his and whatever he wants to do in this place. It was fantastic to be able to pray for the nations. Um, when we did 24-7 Prayer Kingdom Come Night a little while ago, to be in the same room and speak that and how powerful that is. But I also love that David invites us to participate in that and he gives us those really simple examples. So I just want you to think right now in the spheres that you're in, whether that's at a school, a university, at work, at your gym, in your neighbourhood, playgrounds, cafes, think of all the people that are yet to meet Jesus, that have come to Australia seeking a better life, that you have opportunity to tell them about Jesus, who represents that, to offer, as David said, a Bible or an invitation to a meal. It was so simple. Just invite someone over for a meal or come to a church service. I'm going to give you a minute. Just think about who in your neighbourhood, who have you run into that you might have opportunity to share the gospel with. And if you can't think of it, take the time to pray and say, Jesus, please reveal this week, coming weeks, who is around me that I can offer that to? And let's spend just, just a few moments. It's going to be really short on this one asking and thinking about the people that God's placed around us that we can invite to meet Him. Go for it. it's time to pray for all the other nations and how are we going to do that there's so many there's so much going on in our world as mark shared particularly for iran at the moment so let's pray for iran for the persecuted church for everything that's been going on in this last week and may continue to happen but also there's been other things happening around our world there's been hurricane in the dominican republic of course the war in ukraine there's been an earthquake in mexico Civil wars in Sri Lanka continue. There are so many things going on in so many nations. And so we're called to cry out for Jesus, for his kingdom to come. And we believe God is faithful to his word. And so let's speak of who he is and ask him to move in these places. And so what I'm going to get you to do is we're going to stand in a moment, if you're able to, and if you feel comfortable to. And I'm actually going to get you to face outwards so that we are looking outwards, posturing ourselves outward to the nations around us. And I'm getting you to think of a nation or a people group that God has put on your heart. This might be super easy for you, but I'll give you a few moments to just think about a country or a nation or a people group that you would love to pray for. There's so many people in this room. Imagine the amount of nations we will represent here. And then we're going to all yell them out at one time. 
which would be really fun. So we're going to say them all out loud. And then I've written a couple of prayers that I'd love to pray. And all I'm going to ask you to say is in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of them, so that we can collectively pray for all the nations that God's placed on our heart. He knows them all, of course. And then we can declare His truth over them as a church, as we stand and gather on a Sunday. So, as I've been talking, I hope a nation or a, church, uh, you know, a country's come to mind. I'm gonna give you three to five more seconds to think about that. Four, five. All right, let's rise. <laughs> now I'm gonna need, <clears throat> you've kind of been sitting there, we've been quite reflective, so maybe just move around, there's some shoulder shrugs happening, it's good, it's good, because you're gonna yell. So I hope, <coughs> clear your voice a little bit if you need that. Um, I just love to fill this room with all the nations that we can think of. And then we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for the circumstances. We're going to pray for the people. We're going to pray for God to move. We're going to pray for the leaders and for the church. But to start with, let's cry out all these nations that we can think of. I'm going to count two, three, and then, so after the number three. Yeah? Okay. Are you guys ready? Okay. One, two, three. Wonderful. Love it. How about again? Why not? One, two, three. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's pray. And why don't you stand facing outwards? If you want to go to the window, like face the windows, or you can face the doors. You can stay where you are. It's totally up to you. You can also reach out your hands. You can hold them out. You close your eyes. However you want to respond. I'm going to just say a few prayers. And then remember, I will say as your church, we ask these things. And then collectively we will say in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. Lord Jesus, you were sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to comfort all who mourn. We ask you to please send your spirit to those who have lost families, friends, and loved ones, in the nations that have been declared in this room, and the ones that we have not. Lord Jesus, may you send your spirit to bring comfort and freedom. As your church, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Father God, in the beginning, you brought your kingdom order to the chaos. And so we ask that you would intervene where there has been chaos. Where people are fleeing war, we ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable and protect them. Where there is famine, we ask for your provision. And where there has been natural disaster, we ask that you restore what was lost and rebuild from what has been broken. As your church, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray for those in power. You have called us as men and women, as your people, as it said in Genesis, to rule and subdue. You ask us to partner with you. And so we pray for all those in power, kings, queens, presidents, politicians, ministers, the decision makers in these nations. And we ask for mercy compassion and wisdom as they deal with the situations and circumstances before them. As your church, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And finally, 
We pray for the church, that you would continue to spread the church across these nations. We pray particularly for Iran, for the persecuted churches in Iran and in other nations. Lord Jesus, that you would continue to bring revelation that your love and hope would be poured into these contexts. We pray for the pastors, churches, NGOs, that we'd be equipped with all they need. We pray for more churches to be planted, church leaders raised up, enemies of the churches to be restrained, and people of all nations. We pray for people of all nations, Lord Jesus, to have opportunity to meet you and be saved. As your church, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. It has been so good to do this together. We're going to get the worship team up. We're going to spend some time in worship. Some of those prayers have come for 24-7 prayer website. If you want to take those and do those in your own time, you're welcome to or adapt them in with the psalm, whatever you want to do. But let's continue to be that church that prays and declares who Jesus is. But I don't know. I just really enjoyed this morning. It's good. Let's worship.